You're listening to the Eagle Insider, the Barbers Hill Independent School District podcast. Barbers Hill is dedicated to educating, connecting, and inspiring our community. All right. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. I have three very special guests and a topic that I'm kind of excited about, but I'm going to be honest with you, a topic I don't know a lot about. So this is going to be a learning experience for everyone. Today, we are talking with one of our teachers from the high school and two of our high school students to talk a little bit about the STEM program and a very special project they've got going on. So if you would, please introduce yourself. Uh, my name is Ken Wilkerson. I am the CT uh, engineering teacher at the high school. Uh, my name is Caden Kirby. I'm uh, the president over our robotics club at the high school. And you are a junior? I am a junior in high school, yes. Go ahead. My name is Colby Holman. I'm a senior at the high school, and I'm kind of the like forced leader of the uh, design team. Very good. The forced leader. I like that. You got voluntold to do something. <laughs> Happens when you're an adult as well. Um, okay. First things I said, this is going to be new for me too. We already had a name change. First off, you told us that you were a CTE teacher, which stands for career and technical education at the high school, which is part of our electives program, but you called it engineering. Now I'm two years removed from the classroom, but I was there. They called it STEM, I believe. So tell me a little bit about like, your pathway at the high school and the classes that you teach. So CTE or in engineering itself, there's no STEM pathway. Right. Did there used to be? Or did I make that up? Okay. Absolutely. Okay, good. But TEA has kind of changed some things and now it's an engineering pathway because we live right in the middle of a bunch of plants, right? Right. So we kind of want to cater to that and, and give them that that experience and prepare them for that. So I teach intro to engineering, engineering design development, engineering design and presentation, as well as right now, principles of applied engineering. So all that is changing here pretty quick with of course TA changes everything. Right. So that's going to change. We're going to do more civil and some, some architectural side, how that kind of ties together as well as, you know, trying to do some environmental engineering, some uh, essentials of engineering, which is kind of like an intro class, but it covers a big, big broad spectrum. So I don't like to put everybody in the same box <clears throat> Excuse me, because a lot of people want to explore, you know, the aerospace side. They want to explore the chemical side. They want to explore the plant side, the productive side. And I, I try and pick projects or they pick projects to gear towards that so that, you know, not everybody is learning. It's all the same process, but try and gear that more for what they're wanting to learn. If that makes sense. Absolutely. And so there's a ton of choices if you're a parent or a student listening. Uh, it's And it's a four-year program. So there's so many options that you could take. When I was in the classroom, I taught uh, AV technology. And the same thing. You started as a freshman. There's a principal's class and you move up. And it's such a unique situation as a teacher because you keep some kids for four years. And so just talk a little bit about that and, and the relationship you have with your kids and, and keeping somebody in the program for that long. So this is my first year at Barbers Hill. Right. Right. Oh, welcome. So I, I came from, you know, I taught at Willis and I've taught at Cleveland, all engineering. Prior to that, I had my own business as an engineering design firm. And before that, I worked at NASA. So I worked at NASA for a few years. So trying to keep them, trying to go from what I know they need in the real world to what they need in the classroom has been a little bit of a, a struggle, really. Right. Because we're, you know, they think everybody should just be in this one box. And you have to do it this way where there's so many different ways and so many different avenues. Just because you're, you, you know, you want to be a structural engineer today doesn't mean you can't be in the petroleum side. Right? Mm -hmm. So 
a lot of companies want to see that you are dedicated, you have the driven, you know, the drive to to get that degree, to get that education, to be, you know, more focused. And you can change over without changing your degree. You can change over once you're actually in the field and and have that on-the-job training. So I try and gear them more, hey, yeah, you might think you want to know aerospace, but you may really decide that's not quite what I thought it was. You know, I like the design side of it. So I, I try and give that big, broad spectrum. But trying to keep them in for four years has been a struggle for every teacher, right? 100%. If you do it the way that it's designed to set up through TEA, it it works, but it doesn't work, right? Because they don't know what you really need out there. And to keep their their attention and even to keep my attention in the classroom, it's got to be something weird and wacky, right? You you have to do that 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 more hands-on versus we can talk theory all day long, but until you actually get out there and do it, you're not really going to understand it. Right. Right. So it's like putting your hand on a stove. You can tell a kid all day long, hey, don't put your hand on that stove. It's going to burn you. Kid's going to put his hand eventually on the stove and get burned. Right? I, I think I was that kid. <laughs> I, wanna, I think I've got some burn marks still to this day. But um, one of the things I just drew from that is I, I love that Barbers Hill if possible, loves to hire teachers with real-world experience. I taught AV, I taught graphic design. I worked in that field before I became a teacher. I still work in that field freelance. And I think that gives such a great thing for our kids, for us to be able to say, hey, I know this works because I've seen it work. I've made money doing this. I'm, I'm here because of a choice, not because I, you know, I've done it. I know. So guys, the classroom classes are changing. Mr. Wilkerson's come in. That's got to change. So I'm not going to ask you about a specific class you like because it's always shifting. But tell me what draw drew you to the engineering program and why did you have it and, and what are you gaining from it? We'll start with you, Mr. Kirby. Okay. Uh, one of the biggest things that drew me to the engineering program, uh, I started doing all the STEM classes back in middle school when they were first like offered. Mm -hmm. And ever since I was younger, I always loved like hands-on activities, building different things. Like Legos were my, my favorite thing growing up. And so going into the STEM program was, I had that in mind since like before it was even offered to us as a class. But now that Mr. Wilkson's here, uh, it opens up the STEM classroom a lot more. We do a project where you get to pick what project you want to build. And it's a year long project. And you have to plan out your idea, find out what materials you need, model your idea on our 3D, model, 3D modeling software. And then you show it to him, he approves it. And then you can finally start hands on building whatever project you desire. That's fun. Colby, you talked a little bit about why you chose engineering and what you're kind of gaining from the program. So originally I wasn't really interested that much in engineering when I was like in middle school and like younger, I was much more into like computer science and coding. But when my brother went through robotics and engineering, he like told me that this is a really great program and all that. And so I came in like, I went into the middle school like experience, like with a different set of like idea in mind of what they, of what middle school was trying to do. So I didn't really enjoy it that much. Middle school engineering, like Kirby said, it's all formulaic. You have to do this. You can't do that. There's no real experimentation, nothing interesting. And that is really what, you know, piques my interest in STEM a lot and in, in, in engineering as there's no real wrong way to do anything. Hmm. You can just experiment, have fun. As long as you're learning, as long as you're doing something, there's nothing wrong with, you know, messing up. And I really enjoy that aspect of it as, there's nothing, in my opinion, there's nothing better 
than learning through mistakes and having fun. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So that, that sounds like a lot of fun. That sounds like, uh, just getting in there and getting to getting your hands dirty and getting to try things. That's a lot of things. So I got to ask both of you this, cause I see this a lot in people in the engineering program where you, and you too, Mr. Wilkerson, were y'all the type of kids that you just used to take random stuff apart when y'all were little? Totally. Yes, absolutely. Yes. All three heads started nodding at the exact same time. This is not a video podcast, but I'm telling you all three of them. Uh, yeah, I, that seems to be a characteristic of people that go into the engineering program. Sometimes did y'all take apart things that didn't need to be fixed and weren't broken yet? Yeah. Yes. And half time yeah. couldn't put them back. Together. You couldn't put them, <laughs> and then you got in trouble at home. That seems to be a, a, uh, overlying characteristic of everything that goes. So and one of the big things that we offer here at Barber Seal and all of our CTE programs, I think all of them don't quote me on that. Don't get at me in the comments, but we do offer a lot of certifications and a lot of things that kids can take with them once they leave high school and leave that program. Now, again, we talked a little bit off the air about how TEA is having a shift right now. And some of those are thinking, but we do offer the ability for certifications here through your program. Oh, absolutely. We offer, um, essentials of engineering, which is a fundamental side, which that would never go away. The, we offer fusion 360, which that one, kind of goes back and forth. It's on one year, it's off the next year. But CAD itself, Autodesk CAD, will never go away. Right. Right, because that's, when I was in school, that's what we had, right? Even when I went through grad school as as trying to get my architectural license, that's what we had. And it's still used today. That will never go away. So we will be offering, we do offer that as well. So there's a few others that kind of hit or miss and they're getting ready to change again. But those two for sure will never go away. Absolutely. And if you're a parent or a student listening right now, we we don't charge anything for those. That's correct. So if you're in the program, it, you as the student and Mr. Wilkerson as the teacher will work to prepare you for these certifications that we think will benefit you as you leave high school. We'll flip the bill and you just have to go pass the test. Yep. We it It's a process, right? Right. So Autodesk, you have to have for any, any of their certifications, which are all industry-based, so if you go to Lee College or Lone Star or whatever, that's the exact same certification you're getting. So it's 150 hours that you have to complete with on-the-job training. Well, by doing the project, that is on-the-job training. 100%. So we have to justify that as well. So it's it's a process on our part, but that is that is phenomenal because you you don't have to go to Lee College or, or wherever because I have also have, you know, or work with Arc Axis, or work with some other companies that are out in the in the industry that do offer jobs related. So as soon as you graduate school, even before you graduate school, they'll offer you a paid internship through the summer. So, and I, you know, my previous district that I worked at, I had students that were making forty and fifty thousand dollars a year just sitting in my class. So they could turn that into a project as well. Right. Right. All right. Now I don't remember which one of you, forgive me. One of you said that your older sibling was on the robotics team. Who was that? That was mine. Okay. So let's talk about the robotics team and know it going in that my dad was a baseball coach, not a robotics coach. So I'm going to come at this kind of with a clean slate. Forgive. So let's just start. Mr. Mr. Wilkerson, tell us about the robotics club and what it is and what they do. Well, we, I let them talk. Right? Okay, sure. Because, because so I, to give a backstory, I handpicked both of these, right? So when we're talking about the STEM bus, I handpicked Colby because of his leadership, because he he sees things a little bit different. So he's heading up that entire project. He actually 
wrote the grant for it. That's beautiful. Well, so I try and do more student led than than being about the teacher and whoever's in that position. I and, and with Kirby and and you know Colby also helped a lot with the robotics in the very beginning when I came here, and then Kirby kind of took over as you know my handpicked as hey I really like we you were on the same page as far as direction we want to go to reach down to those middle schools and intermediate schools so it's not a huge gap on the learning. So I'll, I'll let them talk about Beautiful. that if you don't mind. Caden, we'll start with you. Tell me about the Robotics Club. What is it you do? And Okay, so as like the president over the Robotics Club, I kind of oversee everything. I make sure all the teams are, you know, working together. Everyone is having fun, you know, because that's my whole point. I want people to come join the club. I don't want them to be there they, like slaving over their robot. I want them to be there and have fun doing their like extracurricular activities. And I always make sure everyone's like, you know, all right mentally, like, mentally and stuff. I... I like to be friends with everyone in the club outside of the club as well. I don't want it to just be like, oh, we're in the same club. We have to be friends. Like, I like to make take it outside. Like, I'll hang out with people in the club, like outside of school and everything. But kind of going back to what Mr. Wilkerson, uh, Mr. Wilkerson was saying, we want to, right now, robotics is only a high school thing. And I didn't know about it until my sophomore year, which the, your first year in robotics is really your learning year. So the fact that I didn't hear about it until my sophomore year kind of like limited my robotics like abilities and stuff like like how me getting better at doing the different things for my team right now i am our head driver for my robotics team but um as president i want the robotics club to like get out there more i want to be known more than just like a small little club i want to be one of the big clubs i want to be on the announcements when they get announced i want to be like in our club our school's newspaper like i want people to know that the robotics club exists okay and we want to expand robotics outside of just the high school. We want to expand down to the middle school and elementary school levels with our VEX IQ. It's like our robotics, except they use plastics, and like little plastic pieces and small pegs. So it limits injuries. And my, I have two younger brothers personally. And ever since I joined the robotics club, they've been like, oh, I can't wait till I'm in high school. I can't wait to join it. It looks so much fun. So I said, why should you have to wait till high school to do robotics? Why can't we expand down and let y'all do it to younger age? And not only does that allow kids to be more experienced when they get into high school, but it allows a lot of kids more opportunities to get into that STEM program early because also in the middle school and stuff, they've now limited where you can only take one STEM class in middle school. You can no longer take a STEM 1 and a STEM 2. You can either take STEM 1 in 7th grade and then you can't take it again or you can take STEM 1 in 8th grade. So I really want to get kids into these like their STEM pathways, not pathways, but that STEM mindset before they get into high school. So they have more time to experience all the fun you can have in our robotics club. Absolutely. And tell me specifically though, at a robotics competition. So you build, you design your robot, you build your robot, your robot has certain tasks. It has to complete in a competitive nature on competition day. Yes. Yes, sir. But give me specifics. Cause that's okay, the, that's so, the extent of my knowledge. Okay. So, each year, a new game is released by the big company Vex, uh -huh. and it's around May when they have their world competition. They ask, they actually release it at that competition. After everyone competes and they hand out the awards, they reveal the new game trailer. Then that's released around May. So you have all summer, everything to plan your robot, build your robot, and the very first competition is actually in Mall of America in Minnesota, and that's one of the very first competition to start off the season. So once that's once that competition launched, everyone starts hosting competitions. Everyone gets ready. Usually, people have their robot built by September, around there, and you build your robot before you get to the competitions. 
And so you know the game, you have the pieces, and we buy a new field every year. So we everyone has a practice field, so you can practice on it. And when you so when you go to a competition, there's two different rounds of matches. You have the qualification matches, which determines your ranking, and then top sixteen or top however many based on how many people are at the competition will get to pick who their alliance partner is. Alliance partner is who your partner is will be in the elimination matches. And each match is about a 2v2 competition. There's a red team and there's a blue team. And you want to score as many points as possible. The first 15 seconds of every match is completely autonomous, meaning it's all coded, no driver control. <coughs> and then after that 15 seconds, drivers get about two minutes to... Yeah, it's about like yeah. two minutes to... Two minutes to, two minutes to compete in the match and score as many points as possible. Strategy changes throughout the season. So you always want to be vigilant and visual and watch the robots around you because you don't just want to know what your robot does you want to know what other robots do because a lot of the time you see a lot of those other robots at other competitions you compete at so like last year for example um Silsby high school was one of our biggest competitors uh they won almost every competition we went to and we saw them at every competition we went to as well but we also got really close with them and we competed against them at state and lost by only eight points, which is extremely close for our team, like our school, because last year our club was really small. And we weren't really well known. But coming into this year, uh, my team and our Z team, we have each school has their own little number combination. So Barbasil is six, eight, six, five. And so each team has a letter as well as like six, eight, six, five D and our six, eight, six, five Z, A, et cetera. But our D and Z team are doing um, extremely well this year. We have qualified for state and UIL. We've already competed at UIL, and we didn't win anything. But we did, we did okay because my team's in the middle of a rebuild, so I think we did okay for that competition. And my team was actually one of the first teams to qualify, or to bring us a tournament champion award home and win an entire competition. And we were the first team to qualify for the nationals competition in Iowa over spring break. Wow. So you are going to Iowa over spring break? Two teams are going to Iowa over spring break. Yes. That's huge. That's huge. I don't know that Iowa is a destination I would go, <laughs> but I'd go just to watch you guys compete because that's that's huge. Very cool. Yeah. And I actually, I've been to one. We used to host. Do we still host a competition? We Not haven't because year. I have to. There's some hoops you have to jump through with Vex. Yeah, yeah. We But we did host at one time, and I've been up here when we host. If 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 you get a chance to go, because there are some things that I think you don't really grasp it until you see it firsthand. But if you come to these things, it's this wide open area where there's just a ton of these fields going on at once and it's intense. And if things, something breaks on the robot or something has to be tweaked and thing that you've got part of your team, like it's almost like a NASCAR pit crew where like they grab this robot up and y'all run over to this table and you just, it's, it's a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. So that's awesome. Iowa in on their spring break. That's a very cool. Congratulations for that. Thank you. And uh, another thing I want to add, the people that were on the Silsby team that I was talking about, our competitors last year, uh, their seniors actually graduated and went to Lamar. And at one of our competitions, those seniors from Silsby asked if they could come in and mentor our robotics club. So now the people we competed against last year are in here helping us build our robots, getting us ready. And starting next year, they're going to help us host all of our competitions and kind of help a lot more. That's beautiful. I think we have such an initiative here about making sure that students who are here are plugged into something. And I think that this is just a prime example of a community you've built, a team that you really care about and you can hold each other accountable and something that you can just be proud of. Because, I mean, they're, you know, that's yeah. just, 
a great thing. All right. And Lamar, so th- those kids that he's talking about are at Lamar University. Lamar has reached out, and they actually want to offer five scholarships through robotics next year Wow! for, for some of our students to go there. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. All right. So let's shift gears a little bit. That's awesome. Thank you, Caden, for sharing about uh, your robotics club and the success y'all have had. But y'all came up on my radar based on a grant that we had written or that we had written. I did nothing. I've done nothing but hit record. <laughs> but a grant that you guys have written for something we call a STEM bus. So first off, Colby, we're going to go to you. What in, what in the world is a STEM bus? So the easiest way to explain it is just it's a mobile learning center for STEM and engineering and anything that can basically go into the very vague definition of STEM. It's mostly meant to just go around to other schools, places that may not have a STEM program, or like they're maybe like they maybe they don't have a STEM class, like a high school doesn't have it, or the it's too low of a level for them to have a dedicated STEM class to teach them about, hey, this is what STEM is, this is what these people do, this is how engineering and like science all factors into this. It's really just to uh, like just to educate them and show them the experiments like and pique their interest in it in, in order to get more people into the field and into the classes. Absolutely. Whose idea was it? Whose idea was the STEM bus? The schools, actually. The schools? Yeah. Okay. Now, I'm assuming a STEM bus is not a uh, easy task and not an inexpensive task. So in order for the STEM bus to come to fruition, what did you have to do to fund this project? Um, we had to do a good bit. We had to do a lot of research on like, uh, like on other STEM buses that uh, exist around really the world, and have to find out what people put in them, what we want to put them put in put in them, what experiments we can put in them, what can actually fit, what can't, and put together like a budget of, hey, this is how much we think we need to spend to get everything that we want in the STEM bus. And that wasn't even factoring in like the cost of buying the bus or like renovating it. That was just stuff we wanted to put in. And that came about to like $22,000. And we had to put that into a plan. Like this is how much we are thinking we're going to spend on this stuff. And this is how much we're thinking we're going to spend in this amount of time. This is how long we're going to think we're going to take on this. And this is, it's a lot of like just assumptions that we had to put down on paper and into a plan, into like slideshows, into calendars, to basically get down a very vague process of what we're going to do. And, and but that process had to be funded. So y'all, you had to write a grant yes. and go through the grant process. Talk a little bit about the grant process. The grant process wasn't really that hard in all honesty, from uh, at least from the student side, from what my team did. Though I assume in the administration, it was a lot harder to like petition it. Right, right. Um, we just had to like use the budget that we have gotten and like the the assumption of our budget and say, this is how much we think we're going to need. And this is like approximately when we'll need it by. This is why we want it. This is how we're going to use it. This is what it's going to go towards, how it's going to benefit everybody, how it's going to benefit the school and how it's mainly going to benefit the students. Right. So yeah, the education foundation 
uh, for those of you that don't know, issues grants every year based on uh, new initiatives and new ideas and things that we want to do to try to stay at the forefront. Uh, I have a podcast on it. If you want to go back and listen to it, don't quote me on what season or what episode it is, but I know I've done one. <laughs> and actually, gentlemen, I don't know if you knew it, but all the equipment that you're sitting in front of right now was actually grant issued stuff. So I wrote a grant for this wanting to start a podcast and that's kind of where we ended up. So you've Y'all, y'all did all this research. You, you came up with all these ideas. You went through the grant process. The Education Foundation gave you some money and helped fund it. And now y'all have a giant yellow school bus out behind the ag barn that I, I went and snuck a peek at the other day that right now we're at the uh, kind of the demo part of it where it looks like the inside has been has gutted. All the seats are out trying to give y'all a clean slate. Talk a little bit about where you're at with that, what you're planning on doing next. And I mean, this is, this is going to be a project that's going to taken long amount of time i'm assuming so just tell us a little bit about that so right now like you said we're at the we're at the demo stage we're kind of near the end of it as we've gutted everything out we've taken out all the seats we've unbolted everything we've only left like the little pads at the front for like where the driver's area is and the floor but we are going to take out the floor as we want to replace it there's some issues with it so we're basically right at the end of the demo stage before that we had to do a lot of design and a lot of just guesswork because we didn't have the bus. But now that we actually have it, we're uh, finalizing all the designs. We're going to like really lay out all these plans and really start to get work done on it and like just hit the ground running with this. Okay. So I'm going to ask both of you this based on the designs and the ideas that we have now, what's the one experiment, the one station, the one thing that's going to be in the STEM bus at the end that you're like, that's cool. I'm excited to show this to the younger generationers or something that's really jumped out at you or you're not even at that process, that point in the process yet. I can't think of really anything specific, but one station that I really want to get in there uh-huh. is just a station to be able to build. It is a bus, so we have a lot of limited space, but I want to make sure there's workstations where people can put together things. They can like uh, work with metal, work with uh, like power tools to build something like a catapult, maybe uh, like a car, maybe if we want to like do races. Yeah. I really want people to get a hands-on experience of working with these materials and building something physical, not just writing down something on paper or modeling something in a computer software. Caden, what about you? So uh, for experiment wise, uh, I've always been fascinated in the science side of STEM. So like all the like hands-on like chemical experiments and stuff like that. One of the biggest experiments that I've always been fascinated with is if you've ever seen the elephant toothpaste experiment where they they mix the thing and it like explodes out the top of the beaker. I have seen that. I think that would be cool for like if we bring it to like younger kids or something, I think they would go crazy. I do too. Mr. Wilkerson, if that's his idea, he's in charge of cleaning it up. Because what I remember <laughs> about that experiment is that is not a not messy one. Guys, I appreciate y'all coming in. I appreciate learning about the engineering pathway at the high school and all the things you can do. I enjoyed hearing about robotics and all the success that they've had. Hopefully it's continued success in Iowa. I'm excited about this STEM bus, guys. Go to our YouTube channel. We're going to we're going to document the process as they go along and give you some idea to see what's going on. Is there anything I left out? Is there anything that you want to add about this program and these kids and the successes we've had? I just think, you know, coming from a different school district to this one, it's been a huge change for me where kids want to get involved and all they need is a little bit of direction. And I mean, 
they speak volumes for not just the program, but for the school and the environment that we're in, right? Is that they, they want to own whatever they're doing. And, and that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Guys, anything else, anything you want to say to that younger generation about getting in this engineering program, this robotics club and getting on this STEM bus project? Uh, I'd say like Colby was saying earlier, he wasn't ever fascinated with it. I think if you're even like the tiniest bit fascinated or anything like that, just try it out. Because yeah. you can't go wrong with just testing. If you don't like it, you don't have to do it again. Yeah, do but it, I'd say you at least try. Do it before you go to college and it costs you money to change your major. Try it. Try it in high school. Especially with like what they were saying earlier of like, uh, like Mr. Wilkerson saying like it's all like kind of interconnected. You can go in for one thing but end up doing something totally different. Even if you're like just interested in coding or doing science experiments or, you know, just even 3D modeling something, working on games, you really want to go into a STEM program. Because you'd never know what you actually really are interested in. And it's a great way to just experiment and find out, you know, consequence free. Yeah, I appreciate that, guys. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for all of this, guys. Uh, have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you need more information about our district, please visit our website at bhisd.net. <laughs>